I, I just want to talk uh, this morning briefly uh, about the consequences of knowing the love of Jesus. Over the last few weeks, if you've been at all involved in our services, you will know that we have been majoring on knowing God's unconditional, passionate, committed love for us and the importance of that and, and, and his kindness and his mercy and his compassion. And we've gone on and on and on about that because it is, it is the foundation for everything. Uh, God revealed his love uh, in Jesus and ultimately, and ultimately he revealed his love on the cross when, <coughs> sorry, he came to suffer. He came to take our burdens, to take our sin, <coughs> to take our brokenness, to take our evil deeds on himself and to pay the consequence of our going wrong so that we wouldn't have to pay the consequence. He came to set us free. And all of that is absolutely true. But what I want to talk about this today is um, the effects of that, what that is meant to lead to. Because uh, to know this love means to change. It has to mean to change. And the reason this is important is because we live in a world right now that in many ways is breaking down. Um, that there are good things, there are things to rejoice in. We, as, we, as we remember Prince Philip, the, I've been moved watching the, the newsreels and, and all the things that we didn't know about him that are coming to the fore, his kindnesses, his sense of humour, the way he was faithful in supporting uh, Her Majesty and, and in all those things. And, and we see a, a life that was lived well uh, in many ways, obviously not perfectly because he wasn't Jesus, but he lived life well and he lived it with honour and he lived it with dignity and he lived it in service. And there are many like that, many like that, that we have celebrated over the last year. But at the same time, we're seeing things happening in our world that in my lifetime, I've not seen the likes of. We're, we're killing our planet and just about all the scientists are in agreement that we're, we're, we're almost reaching the point of no return. Uh, there's the rise of, of wars and famines and, and people treating others with absolute hatred. Uh, the, 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 the pictures from Yemen and Syria and uh, Somalia and other places are heartbreaking. We have people starving around the world and even now in our country children that don't have enough to eat uh, we're seeing the, um, uh, the the attacks on democracy and the the way people can't seem to agree to disagree uh, and the, the in social media I've been horrified as occasionally I most of the time I resist the temptation to follow Twitter feeds, but every now and then, I just want to see what, what's being said. And it's just so horrifying, the nastiness, the, the cutting people off, the, uh, the, the attacks on, on individuals, the, uh, the way we seem to gang up on certain people uh, all together. Um, it's bullying and it's cyberbullying. Uh, the, the mental health issues that have risen up uh, because people are so broken 
because uh, society has broken down in many ways. People don't know how to do committed relationships. The list could go on, and I don't want to be depressing by going on. I've, got, I've said enough. And the truth is, whilst there are good things happening in the church, uh, God is on the move, and there are wonderful stories. Actually, some of the hype can sometimes be a bit overblown. And, uh, you know, we hear about how most of the population are watching online services, and there's a little bit of truth in that, but it's not as completely true as some of the publicity says. But also, uh, I, we talk to a lot of leaders and people who know, and much of the church has been struggling. It's not been good news, this pandemic. We've not been prepared. And, and not just the traditional churches, not just the, the, the little churches that, that maybe have struggled before. You know, some of the bigger churches, some of the you know, seemingly more alive churches, they're reporting that, that, that they're losing folk. The, the church in America is hemorrhaging members amongst, amongst the 20-somethings. And this is a time, this is a time when we need as the church to rise up and to, and to be a kingdom people. And I've said it so many times, but... You know, it's, it, the answer is not in left-wing politics. The answer is not in right-wing politics. The answer is not in middle-of-the-road politics. And it's great to have Christians in all the political parties. And uh, we just interviewed last week the mayor of Watford, um, uh, who, who, who loves the Lord and who's serving Watford. It's good to do that. But the ultimate answer isn't us having our, our preferences politically. It's about being a kingdom people. And in a world that's falling apart, the church needs to rise up and to be a church that is a kingdom church. The situation in much of the church is brutal, if we're honest. There seems to be very little power and very little passion and the reason I want to suggest is because um, discipleship has been replaced by consumerism. And that's why even some of the bigger churches have struggled this year, because what, what they've realized is, oh my word, we, we largely had consumers coming who were coming uh, a little bit to be entertained, a, a little bit to have their ears tickled, a little bit because we provided a good service, and my word, when the props are taken away, they're struggling. And all those things are good. It's good to provide a good service. We want to, in our church, we want to do great, great stuff to serve our members, to serve the wider community. But in the end, none of it is a substitute for relationship with Jesus. None of it can possibly be a substitute for knowing him, knowing his, his utter utter love for us and therefore loving him back. What happened to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? That's what Jesus said. If you want to be his disciple, you know, deny yourself. De that means deny your preferences, deny your wants, deny your, your desires if they contradict the rule of love. Take up your cross, 
as Jesus took up the cross and follow him where he goes. It's not just denying ourselves for the sake of denial. It's not about hair shirt Christianity. It's about denying ourselves for something better. Or if I could correct myself there, it's about denying ourselves for someone better. It's to follow him. To follow him, sometimes we have to leave the baggage that, that slows us down. And, and Jesus said that the way to gain our life is to lose it, is to give it away. That's how we gain real life. And Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All the other stuff that we worry about, it will be dealt with. You know, if, if, we, if we seek peace, if we seek happiness, if we seek contentment, if we seek money, if we seek security, uh, if we seek an antidote to anxiety or depression or whatever, in of themselves, even if we get them, honestly, they won't satisfy. But if we seek him and his kingdom, then he takes care of our lives. That's the deal he offers. That, that's the amazing deal. We seek him and all the rest of the stuff finds its place. Nothing else but him will satisfy. Um, and, and sometimes I think in much of the church, we've lost our hunger for God and for his presence, for being a people who seek his presence. We've replaced living as a kingdom people with gimmicks. And, and some of it is gimmicks. It, you know, and, and what we see sometimes is <clears throat> in the church, leaders that want to build their ministry, their empire, um, in, instead of seeing, hey, our job is to be like our master and, and wash feet. You know, worship leaders that sometimes seem more interested in releasing another single than honing their gifts in, in the holy calling of leading God's people in worship. Uh, we, we sometimes see, um, you know, members of the family uh, uh, kind of treating God as, as a pet poodle, you know, as, well, you know, here's, here's what I want you to do for me. They're there. Instead of actually, because of love, coming under his lordship. And self-help, as Andy said the other day, on its own does not help much at all. What is the antidote? The antidote is encountering him. That's why we're going to keep talking about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's all to do with him. He is the only one who changes our lives. Because when we, we really know his love, when we have an encounter with him, it changes us. It has to change us. How can you encounter the living God and not be changed? And if we're not changed, we have to ask the question, honestly, have we encountered the living God? Have we? Because to encounter him is to change. And the first thing that changes is, is to know him and his love. It changes our desires. 
it ruins us. It ruins us for, for, for the life that we thought we wanted and the things that are not in accordance with his heart for us and his will for us. It's like they, they, don't, they, don't, they, they never really tasted that good. It was a mirage. But we, we start realizing this isn't enough. And, and the reason, the reason it does that is because when we know him, when I met him, when I met him, I knew, I knew that he changed my life. And ever since, I've wanted to bring joy to the one I love. That's all I, I want to bring joy to him. I, if I can put it like this, I want him to be proud of me. I do. I do. And, you know, I want to hear a well done from my father in heaven. And when I hear well done from other people, that's nice. Of course it's nice. But it's nothing like the well done from him. I want my father to be proud of me. And, and that's how it works for all of us when we truly meet him. We, we want to serve him because we love him. We want him to be pleased with us, not so that he loves us, but because you always want to please the ones you love, don't you? Don't you want to please the ones you love? We all do. And so it brings me to, to the whole issue of, of reading the Bible and what we think of the Bible. And I want to suggest that the idea is we read the book to find his will. First of all, it's a love letter from him to us. First of all, the Bible is is the revelation of who God in Jesus Christ is to us. So the Bible is authoritative. What does, what does Paul say to, in 2 Timothy 3.16? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture is God-breathed, not some scripture. Not all scripture except Deuteronomy. Not all scripture except the bits that I'm not keen on. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we read his word to find his will. And, and so often I hear Christians today saying, um, you know what, I, I, I don't agree with that, that the Bible says, so I'll throw that out. Oh, no, no, that doesn't fit. And, and we, we read the book according to our cultural, cultural outlook, according to our preferences, and we judge the book. Folks, it's the book that's meant to judge us. The, the book reads us more than we read the book. The book reveals our hearts and, and reveals where we need to change and reveals God's word to us. Um, when, when, I, when I became a Christian, you know, I used, I used to read the Bible. Um, when I first became a Christian, I, I read the Bible to find out what, what God wanted of me. And I remember I would read it and I think, oh no, I can't do that. You mean I've got to do that? And do you know, even though I didn't like some of the things I read, you know, I wanted to do things that the Bible said weren't good for me. And I didn't want to do things that the Bible said I should do. But I gave my life to him. And so I was going to, I wanted to live according to my father. Did I do it well? 
No, I didn't. Did I do it perfectly? No, I didn't. But that's what I aimed. And that's how we change. That's how we grow. And do you know what is so interesting? Is um, the, the, in the scripture, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel seem to love the law of God. The psalmists <clears throat> often said they delighted in the law of the Lord. Just listen to this. Um, uh, Psalm 119, verse 16. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Um, uh, uh, Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Do you know the law of the Lord, says the psalmist, is perfect, refreshing the soul. It refreshes us. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. They even make the, 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 wise, the simple wise. So I, I messed that up, didn't I, really? Uh, making wise the simple. So God's word even makes Andy wise. It's a little joke there. Okay, it wasn't funny. But, <laughs> but do you know, do you know, we, the psalmists, the, they delighted in the law of the Lord. What are you talking about? Deuteronomy? How can you delight, delight in Deuteronomy? Leviticus? Really? Delighting in Leviticus? The answer is yes. Why did they? Because he redeemed them. Because he rescued them from slavery. Because he gave them new life. Because he looked after them. And because they believed and they trusted that he knew better. They believed and they trusted that his ways were higher than their ways. And his thoughts were, were higher and better than their thoughts. You see, in our culture, it's Everyone is their own expert on everything and no one bows the knee. And, and the best, the most secure place to be is to bow the knee before the Lord who loves us, before the Lord who loves us. And God's ways and truths, they provide security. They bring health. They cause us to come alive. God's word provides us with security if we will trust him, if we will trust that he knows better. Now, Andy and I, I apologize for this. We have talked much too much about his sons. I mean, when they grow up, neither of us are going to have any illustrations. Now. Nah. Uh, but we talk too much. And, and this is, the, I promise you, the last time either of us will ever mention his boys we think. But you know what? Sometimes I, I get frustrated with Andy when he says no to them. It breaks my heart when, when I want to give them, you know, I'm trying to give them chocolates and Andy says, no, just one. And I'm like, but I've brought 10, you know? And then when he says, no, you can't watch Super, you can't play Super Mario till four o'clock. Oh, come on, mate. It's three minutes to four. Give them a break. And, and I get irritated and we have discussions. But if I'm honest, if I'm really honest, I see those boys and they're so secure. They are so secure. 
because they know they're loved. And even though momentarily it's not what they want, there's a security in knowing that someone knows better and that they're protected. And if I have uh, Josie or Judah around my house at six and four years old, and, and just imagine um, if, if I said to them, um, what would you like to do? And they said, well, what would you like us to do? And I said, no, you can choose. You can choose. I'm looking after you for the day. You can do anything you like. That sounds like a children's paradise. I want to suggest it would be hell on earth. And it would be hell on earth for them because suddenly they're responsible for making decisions about everything. And at six and four, they don't have as much wisdom as I am meant to have. So they could get themselves into trouble. They could do things that are harmful. And also, pretty soon, they'll feel insecure and they'll be screaming for mummy and daddy who give them boundaries. And it's the same. It's exactly the same with our Father in heaven. It's exactly the same. God's word provides security for us. We delight in his law because we want to delight in him, because we want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And do you know when we do that, we will become better politicians of the left and better politicians of the right and better politicians of the middle. And we will become better citizens. We will become better pastors, those of us that are pastors. We will become better accountants. We will become better social workers. We will become better plumbers because we put him first and his kingdom and everything else gets sorted by him, by him. This is why and this is the answer. The church rising up as a kingdom people, humble, compassionate, servant-hearted, foot-washing, united, loving him, loving one another, eager for his presence, eager for him, rather than a cheap thrill, rather than gimmicks, rather than a bit of consumerism. A people that seek him and his kingdom above all will change the world. And boy, does the world need changing. Amen.